I'm WFAE's David Borax, and this is R&D in the QC. Tarek Bakari and Larkin Eggleston, one Republican and one Democrat who bonded as first-term Charlotte City Council members. Somehow, they both got re-elected, and now we're stuck listening to another season of this amateur hour bullshit. In the first 82 episodes, they talked to a governor, a senator, presidential candidates, and even a journalist or two. Their goal again this season, bringing Charlotte listeners behind the scenes of the city council in one of America's fastest-growing cities. I won't be listening, but for some reason, you are. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's episode 96 of R&D in the QC, and we've got a lineup for you. Larkin and I are going to be joined by Rick Thurman and Harvey Cummings to talk about music anywhere, county and CMS updates from Mark Terrell and Margaret Marshall, and a general assembly of North Carolina update from our good buddy, Jason Sane. You guys need to join us right now. Larkin Eggleston, my trusty sidekick, to get back together and do this one more time. How are you doing, my friend? How is the window, the bright window directly behind you that you haven't fixed yet? You are no less annoying virtually than you are in person. Oh, I think I'm more annoying virtually. That's uh, possible. That would, that would be my guess. So how are you doing, buddy? I am doing all right. I hope you and yours are. I can't imagine having three small children right now to have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I don't know how y'all do it. I don't know how Krista does it, I yeah, guess. That's what I was going to say. It's, it's challenging for me, uh, but she carries the full weight. It's, it's been, and that's why I'm glad we've got uh, a lot of great guests today um, because there's everybody in any leadership role in any sector, government, local, state, you know, in the community and music um, has some kind of impact, some kind of change to them. Like I'm watching um, both a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old um, change their their learning habits uh, in front of my very eyes remotely and you know it's just it's crazy man so you and i talked about this a little bit and um you know we certainly want to and we'll have guests today that will convey updates give us information um there's a lot of that to be consumed for people that are interested and we know that it's out there we're getting daily updates from the president from the governor um we don't want to bog down too much in the statistics of this i mean the fact of the matter is it's getting more serious uh, we'll hear probably from our buddy Mark Terrell on the County Commission about how the anticipated peak now is several weeks out from where we are. This is going to continue to get worse before it gets better. But we've also got some folks on here today to bring some good news, some ways that you can support people in the community uh, while all of this is going on. And so we want to bring some positivity to this. I'm going to uh, pitch something that we're going to be rolling. I'm going to be rolling out with a friend of mine tomorrow. Um, it's going to be kind of a fun distraction for people, but also a way to highlight some some businesses here locally who are in need of um, some love right now. So try to make this as good news an episode as possible, uh, but we do want to make sure we're passing along good, reliable information for people too, in terms of where we stand and where we're We've had headed. a lot so. of super depressing episodes. Our normal funny banter, you know, me saying funny things and you laughing uncontrollably about them. We just haven't done that much, and I want to get back to that. It's still we tough haven't really time. done that on any of the ninety-six episodes. This is ninety-six, right, dude? I, I've known you long enough to know when you start doing that laugh, it's like that uncontrollable laugh. I've said something hilarious. That's my goal later today. If we can get your terrible internet to be fast enough to see your responses, 
Um, that's what that's that. what it is. My internet speed is masking all the laughing I do at you, Jess. I, I will also give an update in the end on our side um, when we have our kind of closeout with you and I on the small business forum that we did from the city yeah. uh, the, on Friday. That was another great uh, a great learning experience for us. But up first, um, we've got a, a positive story about how we can support people in the community who are in need of it right now. And so you and I have talked on many episodes about. Uh, our involvement in an initiative called Music Everywhere CLT. Uh, so anybody who listens to the show should be pretty familiar with that. It used we to be everywhere. On... It used to be everywhere. Well, right. So Music now... Everywhere is the name of the initiative. But uh, right now, in the wake of what's going on, there has been a shift to a Music Anywhere uh, initiative. And so our good friends Rick Thurman and Harvey Cummings, who are two of the leaders of the Music Everywhere initiative, uh, have come on to join us. If you want to bring them into the mix here, Tell us a little bit about music nice anywhere, how people can seamless joining of the guests. Look at tech now. How people can enjoy some live music wherever they are and support some of these artists that right now don't have that normal mode of income that they're accustomed to. Tell us about fellas. What's going on, y'all? How y'all doing? Good. Rick, why don't we start with you? Tell us a little bit about how where you, us, Harvey, and many others for music everywhere, and how that's been evolving has kind of had this slant of music anywhere lately, and what what that's been happening from the overall ecosystem perspective. Yeah, well, the immediate impact was pretty clear on the on the, the music scene, with you know, with clubs shutting down, bars shutting down, gigs canceled right and left. Not to mention wedding gigs, national tours canceled. It was a large. Um, population of touring musicians in Charlotte that, that play national tours. So it was sort of overnight, not to mention a lot of our musicians are also gig workers. They drive Uber or Lyft or they are their um, contractors or they're working in, uh, in restaurants and bars. So um, just a dramatic income drop off right away. We started to see a few live streams pop up and uh, we quick, quickly convened a, a Zoom call with a bunch of people in the music scene to first understand what was going on, how were they feeling? Um, and two, two themes emerged right away. One was the one I just mentioned, but second was also a little bit of concern over um, the challenge of creatives, musicians suddenly cut off, cooped up in their house, no outlet, um, no way to express themselves, nowhere to play, and that not being a, a healthy recipe. So we said, all right, so we already see some live streams popping up. What can we do to amplify those and help them be as successful as possible? So we hatched this idea of called Music Anywhere CLT, a virtual concert series by and for the Charlotte music community. And you can, we pivoted our online calendar at musiceverywhereclt.com to list all these virtual shows and also created a Facebook, uh, shifted our Facebook page to capture all of these as Facebook events, just to really push them out there and help as many people see them as possible. And then encouraging every artist to um, either set up their virtual tip jar, or in some cases, some of the musicians do have a secure job. So they are raising money for our venues, um, which are really hurting right now. So give us the links that people can find that on or where will they, social media platforms, websites, things like that. Yeah, the best way to find out, the best way to see them is to go to our Facebook page. It's just Music Everywhere CLT. So facebook.com slash Music Everywhere CLT. And that's where we're curating all the links. But uh, we also post them daily on our Twitter feed, Music CLT, and Instagram, 
which is Music Everywhere CLT. So we'll post the lineup for the day and promote those shows there as well. So Harvey, you you are a, a musician. You you put bread on the table yeah. uh, through music. What is it? What are you feeling personally? But then also, what are you hearing as somebody that's a convener of of the music scene in Charlotte? It's real surreal. I just I say this is crazy like a hundred times a day. Um, as far as like music and what we're doing, um, all of our physical gigs have been like wiped. Um, we had contracts from the Ritz Carlton different other establishments, different other things, wiped out till it, like at least May. Um, I've been, as far as my, what I've been doing is more like production based. I'm still making music for podcasts and different clients and things, but I think about the other musicians who don't, who don't have other means and other things, you know. Um, we just here for support. We're here for like empowerment first, but we're here for like support, the, uh, community, and different things that we can do. I know Rick was talking about the um, fun we're trying to put together, um, and this will mainly be for like not only like financial, just like hey, we, we can we can get final cut for you or or, or some, some software or anything to be self sufficient to like help your crafts because like a lot of musicians really have been here. I've been cooped up for like a week just writing music, which is wonderful, but it's just you know, I think about everybody else. So, Harvey, I was going to ask you that follow-up on, on that. And one, Larkin, uh, let's remember to follow. I didn't know he made music for podcasts. Um, that would be interesting. Maybe we can become a good client of yours there. Um, but let me ask this because, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a musician. I'm not to your level. You're, you know, one of Charlotte's favorite sons there. You're, you're definitely not. Let me but second I'm, but I'm that. I'm probably like very close, like <laughs> to your first. Um, I've got my own kind of setup yeah. here and I've been watching people closely while it's tough and a lot of people are struggling right now, tell me your opinion on, on the creative side of this. I feel like, like whether it's somebody spinning records or it's somebody playing sax or it's somebody just jamming an acoustic kind of singer songwriter style, like mm -hmm. you're able to pay attention probably more as an audience member than definitely if you're in a club or something. And mm -hmm. I think the artist is also kind of, you know, there's no distractions. They're locked in. The lack of feedback's tough, but at the same time, you know, they they know what they're doing, and they're able to really focus in on what they're mm -hmm. doing. Tell me how that feels from the musician side of it. Um, yeah, we're locked in. The first couple, we're definitely locked in. Just filling up folders, just being creative. Um, we've we've been involved with the live stream series with the music uh, anywhere. We did a a live stream called like quarantine sessions or self distancing sessions. And we just pretty much like, I live with other band members. So we have like our setup in the living room. We set up, we did the virtual tip jar and everything was cool. We got a lot of support, but now it's just, it's ways of delivering new content. It's just like, okay, you can't perform, but how can you reach these people here? Digital sales, you know, like, like let's, let's make an album. Let's put this out. Let's send this, let's do these concerts. Let's, it's a whole nother, it's like a new frontier is 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 new it's crazy so it'll be crazy to see like with all this time off and so many bands and musicians not touring and unable to mm -hmm. tour again we can sit around and talk about all the terrible negative impacts we're seeing all the time it's heartbreaking but if we want to look at the the positive yeah. side the positive angles there may be more mu original music and new content written in the next three months than in the last three years mm -hmm. combined yeah, if one of those things harvey Harvey, if one of those things is you want to do a theme song for R and D in the QC, oh, uh, you already know I got y'all. Tark and I, Tark and I will pay you for it because we know it will be good. 
Hey, you know, be good. I appreciate you. Um, one other thing while we're, while we're talking about uh, artists. So obviously that extends beyond just musicians and there's a lot of other artists in the community that aren't able mm -hmm. to, to practice their craft the way that they normally would and, and monetize it to, to make ends meet. So arts and science council, which you can go to arts and science.org. They've created as well a Mecklenburg creatives resiliency fund. I made a donation mm -hmm. to that this morning and that's for artists, be they musical, um, or, you know, print artists or whatever else, mm -hmm. um, any kind of performers or artists are eligible. And so if you're mm -hmm. listening and you're in the arts of any kind, uh, they've got grants up to $500 you can apply for, or you can go on to artsandscience.org and, uh, and make a donation there if you're, if you're able. So a lot of good things coming together because people understand how important um, the arts and the music are. And I think that's something that a lot of people are leaning on right now um, for their own mental health and just to get through these kind of can, what can be very monotonous days. So Any I think people words? probably have an appreciation for what you do more now than they might've even before. Rick Harvey, any final words for the community, uh, the, the musicians or the audience members? You know uh, just, if you see a live on your Instagram or Facebook, just support, just support. Um, this is the time to be just listening, listening to artists, finding, new artists but also like like i said like we're helping support these venues as well they can they can uh give charitable or just like i said like the like the evening muse or neighborhood theater or things like that so yeah and if you want to search for charlotte music challenge search that hashtag uh, local singer songwriter Britt drazda has launched this fundraising campaign for five venues that she plays in a lot and other artists are taking up that challenge to play streams for that. So that's another example of how some of our communities coming together to support these venues to try to get through uh, where we are. I'm also hopeful that on the back end of this, maybe some local musicians will have discovered a new way to generate some income and find audiences down the road because you can live stream anytime, not just during a pandemic. So hopefully that's another way our, our creatives can find an audience outside Charlotte, maybe generate extra income a year from now, two years from now. Rick Thurman, Harvey Cummings, thank you both so much for joining the show. Um, we will definitely have you on later. Um, we will talk to you next time. You guys can pop on out of here as we prepare Larkin for this seamless transition of technology. It's just beautiful. Harvey's trying to figure out, he's gonna unplug the camera physically. There it is, he's gonna put it in that fireplace. <laughs> I thought it was a little hot for a fire. What, did you, what do you think, Larkin, is it a little hot for a fire? Yeah, well. <laughs> That's one cool, cool brother. So I had to, cool had to, cool had to get the fire going. Who we got um, next? So next we've got uh, two of our friends from the Charlotte Mecklenburg Government Center. We've got Margaret Marshall from the Charlotte Mecklenburg School School Board and Mark Jarrell, our good buddy who is a Mecklenburg County Commissioner. And so I know that they've both got some updates. Obviously the County Health Department resides within the county government. Mark can give us some updates from that front. And then uh, Margaret Marshall can give us some updates on what she's hearing about uh, how things are going to move forward with the school system. I know that's something as a CMS parent, you are eager to hear as well. So, and I'm sure we've got lots of other folks out there who are. So welcome, welcome on Margaret and Mark, wherever yes, Mark is. Margaret, well, well as, uh, as Mark is uh, turning his video camera on so we can see sure. him as well, why don't we start with you? What's, what's the update? I mean, you guys have a lot going on. A, a lot, lot going on. on. Yeah, so just to let everybody know that uh, new content fourth quarter is moving on. So that began for most high schools and a lot of middle schools uh, Wednesday, April the 1st. 
and by April the 6th, which is Monday, uh, most elementary and other middle schools will roll out new learning. So if you are trying to find information, go on the CMS website, cms.k12.nc.us, and there are all kinds of information and variety of languages for different types of schools. So you can get um, everything you need to get started. Um, then in high schools, again, they've been rolling out and moving along with everything they, uh, their students are doing. Another thing, another option for folks to understand sort of how this has been working and all the updates and information that we're trying to synthesize is go to the CMS Facebook page. There's a uh, recording that was done Thursday, I believe, with all sorts of folks that will give you information on academics, social, emotional, food, all sorts of things. So um, please, please go there for your academics. Now for the care and feeding of our students, we've got a lot going on there. We've got about 68 sites where we have grab and go meals. And those are places where you can get books from places like Promising Pages, all sorts of information from schools. Um, and, and we've just got incredible folks working those sites. And I just, I, my heart just lifts for those uh, folks that are working every day to feed our kids. And, and our social workers and our counselors are reaching out to our families and knocking on doors to make sure we get connected with kids. We have given out over 100,000 Chromebooks in this county. We are probably a national leader in that. And so we, uh, we have emptied out our technology to our families. If we could have emptied out our libraries before, we would have done it. So it, we're getting everything we can in the hands of our students and their families to begin this process of fourth quarter. So I know that was a mouthful. Um, I'm happy to answer any other questions. And one more thing, we will be having spring break. Our teachers need a little bit of a break. They've been working like crazy since we closed schools to get ready for all of this. Um, but we will be continuing our feeding sites, not on Good Friday, but on the rest of the week. So uh, spring break, you can still come and get grab and go. And that is for any child ages zero to 18. It does not matter if you're a CMS student. It doesn't matter what school you go to. No names required, just show up. We will give you some food. So it's a great, a great thing. And again, we just had great community partnership helping us with lots of things. So just love our families and love our kids. It's amazing. It's awesome. um, so one quick question for you, just from our mm -hmm. side and like just parents side, for example, because I think a lot of us um, in this quarantine world only kind of see our own universe here, except what comes through our TV yep, sure. or our computer screen. Um, I, 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 I love how I see the school evolving before my eyes, the school system with the remote learning. Mm -hmm. You really have. People are definitely though getting the feel for it. And I mean, our teachers are kind of in a spot where, and I actually kind of like this a little bit where they're each kind of experimenting because I see a first grader and I see a preschooler, right? But I got to imagine a middle schooler or a high school person, especially maybe someone who's about to graduate and either right. go to a university and is worried about their GPA and, and what's going to happen there. Or maybe someone who's a senior who's planning on going straight into the workforce. I got to imagine that this is a really challenging time, but also an amazing time for us to be forced to innovate. From your side on the school board, how, how is it going in relation to um, our progress with remote learning and what you're seeing there? Well, I think you made a really great point because every student has a different experience sort of because of their age. So obviously your uh, 
primary school students are going to have a very different experience than a junior in high school. And so things that interact with us like AP courses, IB courses, those are things that sometimes are, they're out of our control on how they're administered. So we've had to work that in to how we do school. Our, our high school teachers have been really probably ahead of everybody just because our students are so um, involved with technology. So their coursework, a lot of it has been online or they've given either syllabuses are already out. So there's been some, I, I think a fairly seamless um, experience for many, not everybody, but certainly for, for a lot of kids on, on what they know they need to do. Um, our heart just goes out to seniors, I think, particularly because they're missing some big things as we all remember prom and we remember, you know, the fun things that you did at your senior year. So, you know, this is a big deal. And so make sure that if you run into those uh, kids that you give them a little love. I think it's important. And we'll try to figure out how we can recognize them as, as the year goes on. And of course, we don't know what's, what's uh, gonna happen post May 15th. So I would say there's fits and starts to everything, but I know that um, most uh, teachers, I think are particularly for middle school and high school, have everything that you should need um, on the internet on like Sunday before. Uh, classes start Monday so you will have you'll have be able to work through that and sometimes you'll have meetings with them uh, but it's not like you have a certain way you have to do things every day but we really do encourage families to put structure into our students day because that's really going to help them it's going to help you um, so I think the better we do uh, with that internally in our own families the better outcomes we're going to see so thanks absolutely Definitely. Mark, jump in and uh, tell us what's going on over at the county. We've heard, obviously, uh, from Gibby Harris, our county health director, and Dina DiOrio on a regular basis, which is really helpful. Um, Gibby's provided a lot of great information and, and showed some real emotion the other day, which I think, you know, a lot of folks have, at, at the local, state, and national level, uh, have managed to, to kind of hide that. But they're, you know, I think that there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of unknowns and she sees again that, that it's going to get worse before it gets better and um, and that emotion came out in an interview she did the other day so uh, tell us about the work that she's been doing and what y'all been doing behind the scenes uh, on the county commission yeah guys so first off thanks for having me i appreciate it uh before i get started just know that i went to the larkin eggleston school of lighting so that's uh <laughs> which what you're seeing back here this i got a Mark, so, Mark, you look like you're in a, uh, Mark's, Mark's like a, a prisoner swap video or something. Yeah, dude, throw, not kidding, man. Listen. I need to see a newspaper with today's date. I need to know you're <laughs> alive, buddy. <laughs> look, Whitney and the girls have commandeered my man cave, so I've been relegated to a corner, I guess you could call it. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I'm not, I'm not complaining because uh, Tart, you can relate. She's doing all the heavy lifting with the girls, so. Um, I'm not saying anything, but um, yeah, but Larkin, as it relates to your question, um, so I, I think what we're starting to see is that it's an emotional time for everyone, right? People are working extremely hard. I know it's difficult for people in the community to really understand what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, we are bombarding uh, she uh, with her staff. We're bombarding her with so many emails. Uh, coming from nine commissioners, all asking for uh, different bits of clarification, data, um, all kinds of things. And, and um, that adds an extra level of stress 
because we have constituents that, that we are accountable to and we want to make sure that we're providing information as well. Uh, she is seeing it um, at multiple levels. And I think uh, as you as you understand the impact and, and how this is impacting people, I, I think it is, uh, there's certainly room for people to show emotion. And uh, I, I think personally that, I think that people want to see that. People want to know that we care. People want to know that we're taking this thing personally and uh, we're in a war. And so uh, we're doing a lot of things at the county. Uh, you may or may not know, but uh, our two hospital systems have come to us to uh, request additional funding, uh, trying to proactively address a surge that they believe is going to take place. Not only a surge, but a capacity issue that will bump up against. And so uh, anticipating that mid-April through uh, uh, middle of May. And so potentially 3,000 uh, additional hospitalizations. So they're asking us to, to fund and stand up a field hospital with um, over at UNCC. And so I think in that, what that speaks to everybody is that you know, government is it can't solve this alone, right? Everybody has to come to the table. Everybody has to have skin in the game. And so, again, you're you're seeing uh, government used as a, a conduit to bring the entities together that are that are really needed. Yeah, we're the conveners, and UNC Charlotte has has got to be getting. And I know that y'all have, uh, but I want to make sure that we do too on the city side. I mean, they're such a great community partner on the best of days. Um, but on the worst of days, they find a way like this to say, whatever you need, we've got it. And so they've put forward six of their dorms uh, at the main campus of UNC Charlotte and said, if these are needed, they're here and they're ready. Um, so kudos to them for, for being able to move so quickly on that. One question, um, because right now there's four screens with four faces um, <laughs> representing really the main municipal bodies of governance here in Charlotte and Mecklenburg. And I don't think a lot of people understand or realize kind of in the general public that we all have a thousand touch points or more, but we also have our own lanes that we have to play in. So when they ask us, well, where's city council and the mayor or where's the school board and the school board chair and up out front, a lot of people don't necessarily realize that kind of the tip of the spear right now, the front of this battle line is the county because it's a health related um, kind of topic and issue. So that's why we see uh, the health director front and center so much and, and you guys there. Um, but do you like, Mark, with you being on that front line like that, um, how are you and your colleagues on the board feeling about each weekend? And I don't know what the news headlines for this weekend are going to be. I think they're probably playing out right now um, around, you know, last couple weekends, people mobbing uh, parks and greenways and then the weekend before that it was bars and restaurants still like how, how does that striking you guys at least from your own personal reaction yeah I can tell you so you know personally it's concerning I think it's concerning for my colleagues as well and it's concerning for staff you know when we're trying to ask people to practice social distancing and you see that they are not it is very concerning because this is I mean we know that we have to flatten the curve. And we know that social distancing will certainly help us achieve that objective. And, and you know, we want people to be outdoors. We want people to grab, get exercise, but we want them to please listen. Not only think about yourself, but think about the community. 
Um, and I know my colleagues are very concerned. We don't want to close parks. Um, we, we really don't want to. We, you know, uh, but safety is first. Um, and, and the health and safety of this community is our number one priority. Um, but I, I talk, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to address something you said about uh, the lanes that we all share. Please. And certainly, while this is a, a health crisis, in, in, and certainly Gibby and Dina are, are the tip of the spear, and they're out front, and we as a board are certainly trying to support. I, I just am a firm believer, though, that this isn't only a health crisis, this is an economic crisis. And so it's imperative that all of us step up. Um, and, and this is not a silo thing, right? I mean, we have our lanes, but I mean, we have to work together through this situation um, so that we're addressing this comprehensively. We just worry about the health side and forget about the economic side. And kudos to you for um, convening the uh, small business piece. I've been trying to work on that and staff is working as well. But, um, you know, this is an economic, you know, we're small business owners, so you know this, man. This is devastating. And, uh, and so it goes beyond the health perspective. And I think we all have to find a way to communicate to the public that we understand that it is broader than just the health. There's the education component that Margaret spoke to as well. And, and just, and Larkin alluded to the changes that are taking place in everybody's lives. Agreed. Larkin? Absolutely. And I think that, that we certainly, um, I don't think anyone's looking to advocate themselves a responsibility, but it, oftentimes we have to, and I'm sure y'all have to do the same thing. People come and go, why, why are they doing this with the, the transit system right now or whatever? And you go, well, okay. I mean, we, economic development is undoubtedly one of those things that kind of bridges all of the floors of the government center. Um, but I think there've been people who I would say unfairly have said, well, where's the mayor been? And she's been more visible this past week, I think partly in response to that, but the mayor's been working her butt off the last couple of weeks, as have pretty much anybody in elected office or anybody, this government staff the last couple of weeks. Um, but I think people are looking at the mayor, looking at city council to make declarations about what's going on in the health realm of this or, or what's going on in the school realm of this. And again, while things like economic development and community building and, and looking out for and holding up the people who most need it right now is something that, that has no silo to your point. Um, we also want to be mindful of the fact that, you know, Tarek and I and, and the, our colleagues on the city council are not as versed on things like public health as you and your colleagues are, because that's what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. You're not as versed on transit as we are, because that's what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And so while we've got to continue to have those dialogues, and, and we're doing it right now, I think all four of us are actually on our respective intergovernmental committees. Uh, and then we're about to have North Carolina State House Rep Jason Sane on here momentarily. We're having those conversations, but we also need to, you know, and it's not even that, that I think you're going to be offended if I'm out there talking about public health. It's just not, that's not my expertise. Um, and so we try to be mindful too, I think, of, of where, where we are experts and where our staff are experts and, um, and whose decisions those are to make, though they, though they should be in consultation with each other. So Larkin, I, I, want, to be, I want to be clear. Um, I certainly am not suggesting that anyone should operate outside of their, um, you know, their, their sphere of uh, statutory requirements and, and you know, what, what their charge is statutorily. So definitely not. 
Um, and, and I think you're spot on. I think you're absolutely right to stay out of the, the public health space. Just, you know what, and, and it's the same way that we as elected have to allow staff to do their job. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's a, you know, that, that for me is, is, is tough. I'm not going to speak for my colleagues. I'll say for me, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm dipping, dipping in the Kool-Aid a little bit, um, particularly as it relates to when I look at data and I see that um, African-Americans are being impacted at this, you know, this isn't, an, it, it, you know, it, this is an equal opportunity uh, um, epidemic. But certainly, in my opinion, you know, data is showing me and, and I'm reading more and more. And I was reading earlier today how uh, African-Americans are being impacted disproportionately all across the country. And it's hard for me to, to not speak to that. Um, I have a vested interest in that um, and for this particular and for this community. And so, um, it, you know, straddling that line um is uh, you know i'm trying to learn how to navigate that uh between staff and letting them do their work but also my responsibility to my constituents and my community as an elected i do believe that they need to hear from us um and not on necessarily the policy and things that they they um have charge over but just information and updates mm-hmm. anybody got uh last thoughts there on on county or cms stuff that they want to get in before we move to a, a rally conversation. We appreciate you guys both joining us. We welcome one more thing. If people want to um, do something to help kids and their families, uh, CMS Foundation has a fund set up to, for COVID-19 relief for our, for our kids. And we know that when you help kids, you're going to help their family. So uh, to everybody's point, this is an economic crisis as well. And so we, we know that when kids can't have stable housing and, and are food insecure, they're not going to do well in school, no matter if that school has walls or, or anything else. So we are aware of the economic impacts and want to be able to help our kids with that. So we've got a way to do that at the CMS Foundation. You can donate there. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah, one final point. I just think that you guys, the open and show music, you should make it a little longer. <laughs> we will. We will do that. As you guys are clicking off your uh, video and mics, well, thank you so much for joining uh, the segment here. I'll tell you what. Um, we really wish, um, we really wish Mark well. Um, it's good to see he's alive. Hopefully, someone has uh, information about his whereabouts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll see how that's going. And Larkin, a quick question before we bring on. He was making me look better. Yeah, definitely. In the lighting department there. I was going to ask but, you, uh, what was it like to not be able to go to prom. I mean, I'm assuming you didn't go, and for all the kids who are going to miss out on that, perhaps they could call and ask you um, how that went, how that felt. Uh. Memories of, of it are a bit fuzzy. <laughs> okay. Jason Sane, can you unmute yourself, my good man? Welcome to the show. I hope everyone knows Representative Jason Sane. Um, he is in the General Assembly. Jason, welcome. From Lincoln County. And I think it bears uh, repeating for those that don't know, particularly good person to have on for this discussion, uh, because Jason, talk about the, the new committee uh, or committees that have been created and what your role is in those. Yeah, no, Tark, Larkin, thank you. And uh, really appreciate you having me on. And uh, you've got me in my uh, uh, quarantined, unshaven hat on, hanging out the house kind of uh, attire that, I've, that I'm used to now, me. like everybody else, right? I, I don't remember and, uh, yourself uh, forgiven. Howard. Yeah, yeah you know, this is, Howard, this, this is what the homeschool principal's wearing. So uh, 
I'm now, I'm now a principal. I'm also the uh, cafeteria worker and uh, uh, doing it all. But uh, Jackson, my son's 11. We're, we're like everyone else going through it. Um, my wife, she, she's the uh, director of senior services in Lincoln County. Uh, they have long since uh, told the seniors to stay away, but uh, they do go in to work and try to navigate what uh, what they can where they can help uh, for our seniors that are at home. But thank you for asking about the uh, the committees. Uh, the, the Speaker of the House, Tim Moore, uh, early on said, "Hey, we we get we've got to get out in front of this thing as far as a government response." Uh, we're not in session in Raleigh, so there's a there's also a, a need and a desire for legislators to to want to figure out and. Get our, our you know our, our minds around this problem how can we best help how can we assist the governor uh in in the administration's response uh, how can we be most helpful so the speaker uh, came up with several working groups and uh, i chaired the economic support working group along with my co-chair uh julia howard um and and um uh, i'm sorry uh, <clears throat> and we've got um, and it's a bipartisan committee is what i was going to say um, and we've got, I, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, some of the folks that are on the committee from Charlotte. Uh, Representative Kelly Alexander, uh, Representative John Autry, Representative Chaz Beasley, uh, Representative Nassif Majid are all on that economic uh, working committee. But we've also got on that committee, uh, you know, legislators from across the state. You've got, uh, again, me sharing it uh, from Lincoln County, but we've got folks from the East, folks from the West. And then we've got uh, several other committees that are working on some of the problems. Uh, we've got healthcare. Uh, we've got uh, con continuity of state operations, uh, you know, also important when we're all sheltering in, in place or staying at home and trying to do the best we can with fewer people going in and out of work. Um, we've got um, uh, education, obviously, uh, from your conversation earlier, that is a huge issue for us. Um, you know, we started, our Jackson School was able to go and miss just a couple of days and then we were virtually learning and doing it all online. So. Uh, but that's not necessarily the case for every child across the state. Uh, you know, we have remote areas and rural areas that don't have uh, connectivity. Uh, so that's, you know, trying to work through those issues to make sure kids are still getting educated and, of course, getting fed. So all of these, but the economic support group, and I, and I neglected to mention, Michael Ray is also co-chair of the economic support group. So we have two Republicans and one Democrat who are chairing together, and we are doing some, some great work together as a committee. Um, if nothing else, uh, for the for all the uh, the partisanship and the fighting from from before, uh, this certainly has brought everyone together and working together. Uh, just this week, we had uh, updates in the committee, uh, trying to find out what we're you know where do we focus, what do we do. But we had uh, Lee Lilly who came with uh, on behalf of Governor Cooper to update the committee on on the various executive orders that have been issued. Uh, Thomas Stith with the uh, Small Business Administration addressed the committee to inform us on how to better inform our constituents how to apply for some of these loans that are out there, these bridge loans, these, these uh, uh, you know, unemployment is obviously a huge issue that we're having to deal with. We, we are overwhelming our system, uh, unfortunately, uh, but we're just, you know, we're working through that. They're working, through, you know, 24-7, uh, trying to make sure that that website is up, the phone calls are up, that there's a call center. Uh, and again, dealing with when you've got a call center, you've got to figure out how to space people you know, apart who are normally working just desk to desk uh, and making sure that you've got staff there who they're also having to deal with, you know, kids are at home or, or elderly that, that can't, uh, you know, they shouldn't be out, but, but certainly they've got to find ways to make sure that they're taken care of. So, but, and, you know, this week we talked to uh, 
uh, Scott Hamilton from the Golden Leaf Foundation. They made a pot of money available for small business. Um, we had an update from uh, 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 Lynn, uh, Min, Min, I always get her name wrong, uh, Mingus or Mingis from uh, North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. Uh, you guys know, I mean, uh, folks hit the hardest first. Brutally hit. Folks in the service industry, restaurants. I mean, I, you know, we, I, you know, obviously, I don't miss too many meals. Love going out, and we we're downtown a lot. You know, I have I haven't been downtown Charlotte uh, from where I live in Lincoln County, which normally I'm down a couple times a week. I see you guys all the time. Um, I haven't been down in probably now close to a month. That's just that's unheard of for our family. We're just we're in Charlotte all the time, uh, and you know, going to restaurants. We had uh, some other folks. We had. Uh, um, uh, Vinay Patel uh, owns hotels there in Charlotte. Uh, you all know Vinay, and 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 um, you know on the on the day that we had him before the committee, he said the night before they had one booking in all of their hotels in the Charlotte area. One, one. That's and that's, most hotels have just made the decision to shut down at this point. Right, right. I mean, this is just um, what do you do? And uh, we heard from Retail Merchants Association and also the travel industry. You know, we're gearing up for for our biggest time of year in, in terms of revenue that we get from the travel industry you know people are stuck at home they're not going to the beach they're not going to the mountains everything's shut down um and so we're we're trying to get our minds around that and then also understand what the federal response has been uh, that's also important so while we want to rush to act we want to do the things that we can do uh, we also have to you know measure ourselves just a little bit so that we make sure that we we leverage our state funds uh to if there's federal match or there's ways to we shouldn't pay for things twice or we don't want to go pay for things before and then find out later there was federal money uh, coming behind that uh, so that we can use that money elsewhere because the needs are great and they're going to be greater. I mean, depending on how long this lasts. Comment and a question for you, the comment, and you touched on this briefly, but I, I wanted to compliment you and, and all the folks down there um, because I think this has been, I mean, obviously partisanship has never been higher at any level than it has been probably since 2016. And we saw, uh, and I think a lot of people were really frustrated, not just with the other party, but with their own, about how things played out a little bit in Washington and how this was kind of being weaponized by both sides at, at different times and by both and people on both sides at different times um, against each other. I haven't seen that, but for one early exception, but that wasn't in the General Assembly, uh, and that seemed to get smoothed over pretty quickly. I haven't seen anybody weaponizing this, and I've seen uh, you sharing posts from Governor Cooper um, and just saying, here's information. And I don't know, to me, it's been the most refreshing bipartisan effort that I've seen in Raleigh since 2016. And so I think that y'all are all to be commended for that. And um, I hope that it carries so over. With, with Governor Cooper, how many times a day are you guys talking, would you say, Jason? So just, just saying that, that's a great question. And Larkin, thank you for, for, for recognizing that. And you're absolutely right. We are working together. And, uh, but, you know, it is, uh, from the time that I get up, I get Jackson started on his schoolwork. Uh, he's quickly figured out the quicker he works through it, the quicker he gets to play video games and basketball outside. So, um, but, but, you know, it is, it is back to back to back to back to back. Uh, video conferencing, which we weren't set up to do prior to this. Uh, for years, I've been trying to beg my colleagues to, to, hey, let's do more online. Let's have more meetings online. Let's save the state some, some dollars and not have to pay for us to travel back and forth to Raleigh to have meetings. Let's do more of that. So, um, so for a group of people, particularly in the House, we took 120 people who are not used to using video conferencing and in, a, in less than a week got them ramped up, uh, doing the test, figuring out. And, you know, for some of my uh, 
less tech savvy colleagues. It was a bit of a challenge, but uh, when I, I always pick on Representative George Cleveland, uh, he's, a, he's an old Marine and he can take it. But, uh, but when I saw him on a, on a WebEx, uh, I knew that the legislature had made leaps and bounds uh, from where we were. Uh, but, but no, to that point, I mean, we're, uh, you know, Mandy Cohen, our, direct, our, our Secretary of Department of Health and Human Services is doing uh, daily updates. We've got phone calls with legislators just to kind of give us the ins and outs. We're, but, you know, I'm also the appropriations chairman in the House. So we're trying to figure out, you know, I wouldn't say this, I don't want it to take in the right way, but in some respects, because we couldn't get to a budget deal last year, uh, we may be in just a little better place than some of the other states because there's some money that was left on the table uh, that, that that's in reserve, that's there uh, to use in response. So, um, you know, all those things aside, uh, legislators are fielding calls uh, just like you are from, on city council. And, and I'm talking to my county commissioners, my city councilmen, my school board folks, uh, and a lot of back and forth information sharing. And then sometimes just being the, 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 the person who will listen uh, when folks are just frustrated. I mean, we, we, we can't miss the mental health aspect of all this, right? I mean, the, when folks feel trapped or that they can't do anything, uh, we're working on just if anybody watching, if you need to renew your, your license tag or your, or your license, uh, we're gonna extend that. We're gonna 60, 90 days or something like that. Uh, but the governor can't do those things. That's the other thing to understand. The governor has a lot of emergency powers and certainly agree with, with, with him using those. Uh, but there's some things he just can't do that's not spelled out where he can do that. He just can't wave a wand and, and make it all you know, work for this disaster. I mean, think about before, our, our, our disasters are you know, a couple hour Hurricanes, events or yeah. a day event, a hurricane or something like that. Uh, this is just ongoing. So uh, it's, it's difficult to navigate from a governmental standpoint, but uh, we've all of a sudden become very nimble um, and, 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 and quick to react. Yesterday afternoon, after our HHS uh, uh, briefing for legislators, uh, we had uh, Lockhart Taylor uh, from our Employment Securities Division. Uh, obviously, their site has been overwhelmed. Uh, we've gone from literally a thousand people an hour trying to log on and, and qualify for unemployment insurance benefits uh, because they've lost their job or they've been put out of work. Uh, you know, that's difficult. And it's, and it's also frustrating on the when you're sitting there and you don't know how you're you know, going to have money for food and, uh, and, and to be able to cover your family, it's not things we plan for, right? I mean, we, we might keep a little bit of an emergency nest egg, but a lot well, of that, that was the question I was going to ask you is uh, the thing I saw, and uh, the number is not going to be exactly right, but it's something like 30 times the typical amount of people filing for unemployment as you would normally see in a given month. So, I mean, if people, and I'm hearing that from folks, if they're saying, I can't get through, I can't, um, you know, I, I haven't gotten a response yet. I mean, what what can you tell folks in terms of the timeline and how quickly they're able to process that? Again, if they're doing 30-fold what they normally do, the system's just not able to do it, but but they'll get through them, right? I mean, what how, what kind of progress are you see in there? Well, it's to be patient, um, you know, it's first and foremost. Um, and, if, and if you've gone online and registered, and, and then you're just calling to check and see what's next. And, and, uh, and you got a confirmation that you were registered. Um, you know, I would just ask that you not flood the phones every hour, just trying to find out information because it does absolutely just overwhelm them. Um, and if you can do it online, do it online. Some folks aren't that savvy either. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're ramping up. The, the thing is they're not just going, well, we can't connect. So, 
uh, you know, it'll, it'll work itself out. That's not at all what they're doing. Uh, when I say they're working 24 uh, seven, they've been moving things to the cloud uh, off of their servers to uh, AWS or wherever they're putting it um, and, and trying to expand that uh, as quickly as they can. So the response is there. And then also remember that, you know, it's only been a week uh, yesterday that the, the feds passed the bill, the, the, the CARES Act. And so the unemployment, uh, you know, just for staff to get direction on how that's gonna integrate with the federal government, it takes just a little bit to implement. But that's, it's hard to say, and it's hard to ask people just to be patient because it's not, it's not human nature. And, and um, you know, and we're trying to make sure that folks don't panic, that they, 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 they you know, let's maximize their social distancing. Um, but at the same time, you know, we know that, that you need some things and, and people are gonna have to do it. We, you know, we're, we're getting there. Uh, and again, that's, I don't fault the administration for that. Uh, you can't fault really anyone for that. Uh, just, you, you cannot prepare for something of that magnitude. Uh, but, but the good news is, is that they, they are, everybody is working hand in hand to do that. And, and on some of these other issues, I, my, my co-chair on, on the economic support group, uh, Julia Howard is, is very attuned to the unemployment insurance benefits. Uh, we're adjusting that and getting the legislation ready for whenever we do go into session. But a lot of that will be retroactive, uh, you know, <coughs> just like the, the, the registrations for cars. Uh, I said to one of our staffers, I said, you got to understand, if you're my, my dad at home and, and, you know, he's retired, and, uh, but things that he will absolutely make sure that he's met the deadline on his registration, and that he's renewed his license. And if he can't do that, it's just hard for you know someone of that mindset to, to go, well, it'll be okay, I'm just gonna skip it. That's not what we're told in society, right? We, you, you pay your bills, you do it on time, you, you, you follow the rules. Um, and so when there's no rules or the rules, you know, one rule is come in and, and renew your license. You do it online, by the way, uh, thanks to a nice bill from some legislator once upon a time. But, um, but that's not how they operate. So you, you know, so other things start to break down. So we're trying to convey, if nothing else, and I think you mentioned it earlier, uh, you know, that that you know, folks are working and and they're taking care of these problems. We're not going to leave people hanging by any measure. Uh, and and there's and they should have confidence in state government in the sense that we are working together. Final uh, question for you, real yeah, quick, Jason. Sure. What what do you what do you think on a macro level? The, the the business environment, the the North Carolina economy, particularly small business. What do you think it looks like? You know, in the new normal, and you know, a year out from now when it settles down, but it changes. And what do you think our General Assembly can do that can enable us, as as one of fifty states, to, you know, be at least towards the top of the curve in whatever that looks like. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and I was having a conversation with uh, Representative uh, Dr. Perrin Jones this morning. And he kind of focuses on healthcare because he's a doctor, but, um, but he's also a businessman too. And he, and he, and he knows that, hey, we're going to have to reboot, right? I mean, and so part of that is, is we have to imagine what the future looks like, right? How do, how do we ramp up a workforce that's been waiting and sitting? It's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, energy that hasn't been expended yet. It's all there. Uh, how do we uh, work with our community college system? I've, I've been on the phone with uh, uh, President Peter Hans. You know, they, they, they can't be at school, but they're still doing classes. Uh, but then, so we get into a new economy. Uh, we know that we're, I mean, you'd have to be a fool to not understand that a lot of businesses are going to be repatriating back to the states. 
where they've gone offsite and to China and to other places to manufacture. Uh, how is North Carolina going to be set to uh, do that in very quick fashion? Uh, because one, we, we're going to have to, right? We were, we, we were one of the states that was doing the best in this economy. Uh, we were, you know, for all practical terms at, at full employment. Uh, we, were, we were having, um, you know, uh, uh, extra money in our revenue streams. Uh, so we, because people were doing so much business, because, and you know this being in Charlotte, it's the economic hub of this region and how well Charlotte was doing. Doesn't mean we solved all problems and that everything was, was paradise, but we were in a pretty good place. And so now the new normal is shelter at home, don't go to work. Um, how are you going to pay your bills? We'll get past that. Uh, we know that we will. So now we have, we're charged with, it's our responsibility to say, what does that new place we want to go to? It's an opportunity for us uh, in the long run uh, to go, oh, we can, we can actually reshape our economy. We've got ready workforce to go. We've got teachers who, who, who are now uh, very adept, uh, or very adept to, to uh, holding an online class. Um, how, can, how can we do more with that? Uh, so, so, you know, out of, out of this, you know, bit of a tragedy, uh, I think it's an opportunity to innovate, uh, to put us at a place where North Carolina can be first and leading on a lot of things. We've already got all, not all, but a lot of tech investment in North Carolina. Um, we've seen that, that our folks can adapt very quickly, uh, not because they wanted to, but because we were forced to. Uh, but in that, we, we've shown ourselves that, hey, that human spirit, that, that ability to innovate is, is alive and well here. So now we've got to embrace that and then figure out how to get more, um, you know, more jobs, more investment, uh, better opportunities for our folks. And if we can lead the way in that, and, and you know, whether it's from a, a regulatory standpoint, um, you know, the FCC just released a lot, of, uh, a lot more 5G money in rural areas. I mean, billions of dollars that are going to be available. So for, you know, I know you guys have been uh, leaders in, 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 in working with broadband and, and, and all that in the city of Charlotte. But think about our rural areas now that can take advantage of that as well. Um, it, it, it really does become sort of a great equalizer uh, in terms of opportunity for folks. Uh, and then how best do, do we deploy that? So, I mean, all questions that, that will get answered um, and, and that we will work on. And, you know, that's part of the, the reason for the economic support group is, you know, and, and trust me, it was, it was two hours of, of hearing a lot of, of, of pain points, um, you know, by, by hearing that. But, but it also helps us to understand what, be, what might be next, right? Because, you know, these, these folks are coming to us because they're employers, they care about their employees. It's not just about the bottom line. Uh, it is absolutely about making sure that their folks who are working for them are somehow made whole. And then they're thinking about, uh, okay, well, we have to shut down, but what are we going to do next? How, does, how can we kickstart and get back to business? Um, you know, what, we're, what are we going to do from a state perspective to assist that not impede it, uh, and get people back to where uh, they were, and, and look, hopefully better than where they were. I mean, that's a, that's the thing I think we sh none of us should miss in, in, on any dark day during this right now, because uh, people do. I mean, you know, after after nine and ten and twelve hours of meetings online, and uh, you know, just sitting in one spot in my home, while I might be home, it's not the most comfortable place after about you know nine ten hours. Um, but this is this is a small pain point for us. What can we do next, which I think will be where, you know, we, we should really uh, focus in our minds when we, when, we, when we suffer through that. Just know that better things will come out of it. Absolutely, Absolutely. man. Well, we appreciate you joining us on here, and thank you for 
everything you and all your colleagues uh, on both sides of the aisle are down there doing to make sure that the people in North Carolina are looked out for right now. Representative Thank Sane, thanks for joining us. I'll see you uh, maybe uh, on some video games later tonight. Yes, sir. Maybe a little later. Yeah. All right. Thanks Take for care. joining. See you, okay. So. All right. So as he signs off, Tark, I know we've each got one thing we want to uh, to touch on before we wrap up here uh, coming up on the one hour mark. So I want to plug a, a kind of a fun distraction that I'm rolling out with a friend tomorrow. And then I know you had a economic development discussion yesterday that you want to touch on. Um, and I think we'll call it a day, but that sounds good to me. That was, um, a, good, so, that was a good bunch of guests, by the way. I think yeah, we got a nice round the, round the entire state kind of view of everything there. And it's and it's got to be because, frankly, there's nothing that there's no one agency that can handle all of the problems or or create all of the solutions. And so, um, if we're not working with all those people hand in hand, which which we are, but if we weren't, then we wouldn't be able to to do right by the folks we represent. So. Um, so as I'm sure you've seen, and as I'm sure all of our listeners and viewers have seen, lots of folks have taken to Facebook lately with kind of silly questions. You know, what are 10 things you don't like that most people like? Or what are six jobs you had and one of them is a lie and people have to guess the lie? I mean, people are looking for um, distractions right now, I think, because you can only watch so much uh, of the news and so much of all of what's going on with coronavirus uh, before you just kind of get burnt out. So a friend of mine, Nikki Wolf, uh, who I've known for pretty much the entire 16 years I've been in Charlotte. She is the community coordinator in the Charlotte area for Yelp, and um, but has a news background and a service industry background. She posted, and this uh, she and I were talking about, I said, you, you never know the posts that are going to go viral. Um, when you try to post something that's going to catch on it, it never does. And when you post something um, just kind of on a whim, that, that tends to be the thing that'll, that'll catch fire. She posted thing based on something she'd seen out of Raleigh and said, what are your favorite bars and restaurants um, that have closed in Charlotte from the 2000s? What are the places you miss the most? She got at last count 541 responses. Uh, this thing exploded. And this is like at 10 or 11 at night on a Tuesday. Um, and it just brought back all these memories and people coming out of the woodworks and saying, oh, where does so-and-so work now? Or, oh man, I missed that place and talking about uh, the memories they had from a specific bar or restaurant or nightclub or live music venue. Um, there'll be some familiar names on this thing for you too. I know we, we talked, a lot of people were talking about Tremont, Double Door, and some of our, our favorite old music venues, Chop Shop. Um, so all these comments, I reached out to her and I said, we actually need to turn this into like a March Madness style bracket. And so we have done that. Uh, she and I got with uh, Tanya Jameson and Scott Valentine, who uh, was one of the owners and founders of LazyDay.com, which you might recall that took pictures at, at different bars around town. Tanya, uh, aside from being in the political game now, also used to be a nightlife and entertainment writer for the Charlotte Observer for years. Uh, she and Scott have both been on the scene for like over 20 years. Nikki and I have both been on the scene for 15 plus years. And um, How we spent, work? So we spent 90 minutes today taking what was probably 150 plus places that people mentioned in this comment thread on Nikki's post um, and calling that down to a 64 team bracket a la NCAA tournament type bracket. And uh, so we're going to roll that out. We're going to have selection Sunday. We're going to live stream it tomorrow night at 6 PM um, on our Facebook pages. And we're going to reveal the bracket and voting will begin. Then each round will be two days worth of voting 48 hours and so the 16 seed will be up against the one seeds and so on, just like you would with the basketball tournament. And uh, two days later, we'll see who the winners are based on those votes from the public, and we'll move it to the next round. 
And over the course of um, about a week and a half to two weeks, we will crown a most missed bar in Charlotte. And uh, when things normalize, we're gonna have maybe like a little theme party themed around whatever that establishment is or was. Right. No, nothing. Nothing that's open anymore. All local. All in. Uh, all in Mecklenburg County. Almost all in Charlotte, and they're all places that are no longer here. Um, it's a really good but, idea. But the cool thing, so aside from it just being like a fun distraction for people and a way to reminisce about, you know, good times uh, that you've had at, at different places that aren't aren't here anymore, we also are looking to try to connect it to uh, businesses that are still here. And so I think that. Um, you know, hopefully we'll get a lot of engagement like her post did, but you know, all of these people who were managers or who were bartenders or chefs or um, all of the, you know, there's places that people can go and find maybe a dish that used to be on someone else's menu or a specialty drink that, that Stefan used to make at Cosmos. Well, now he's one of the owners of dot, dot, dot. So, I mean, you've got examples like uh, that. Um, at, uh, dude, the sushi rolls there at lunchtime. Oh, oh Cosmos. Yes. Or, you know, one of the things people loved about Cosmos was the Latin dance night. So where can people go and find that now? So I think that this could be a really cool way for the things that we miss about the places that aren't here anymore for people to come in and connect them to places that are here and say, Hey, when it opens back up, you got to go check out the salsa dancing night at this spot or the cocktails at this spot. And really, you know, because the things that make those places are oftentimes the people and those people move on to new bars and restaurants. And so, we're hoping it'll be a way for people to not only have a dialogue about some of their memories from places past, but the things they love about places present. And then, you know, that shines a light on some of these businesses that are really hurting right now. So looking forward to that 6 PM tomorrow night. Um, we hope people will, will join us for the selection show, uh, but then we'll also vote. We'll have links obviously on Nikki Wolf. That's W O L F E uh, on her Facebook page on mine as well. And so we'll share those. And how are you doing the voting? How is the voting going to work? there's a website online where you can plug in and um, it's just an either or. So you have the 16 seed and the one seed, you click on one of the dots. It's all automated. Got it. You good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, so it's up this. No, no, <laughs> it's all, all done through a website there. And then we'll update the bracket each, every, every two days. You know what but, I like most about this, I think is that usually if, if well, if well constructed, these, these are fun always, but I've never seen one that wasn't based on, existing people or teams or restaurants that are there and it always ends up being those folks trying to mobilize trying to, yeah trying to mobilize everyone to win so that doesn't exist so it's just going to be like because right now if like for example and are they related when they go head to head or they're just randomly there so one entire side of the bracket we did places that were mostly bars the other side of the bracket we did nightclubs and live music venues okay so, yeah. So like, I mean, if I like, if I had to choose between Cosmos and Dixie's, you know, I mean, what do you do? What do you do? That's, I mean, that's the kind of matchups we're going to be looking at. That's not going to be a first round matchup because those are two stud. Oh, uh, uh, you like seeded it. Cause you, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what we spent almost two hours to doing today. This morning was giving the, the high seeds, the, the best, you know, the places we think were the most influential have the biggest fan base uh, the higher seeds and the underdogs, the lower seeds. So these are legitimate, like seeded matchups. You got to figure out a way to make this like, cause you're doing the selection Sunday. That's great. Like you, if it gets a big following, you need to figure out how to like do like cool announcements that people can watch the different rounds. If it, if it, we're, we're going to do analysis and revealing of the results each two day segment, each two day round. And then as it gets pared down a little bit more, we're going to try to bring in some alumni 
from those establishments to uh, to talk about their their former place of employment as we get down to like the Elite Eight and the Final Four. So it should be a lot of fun. Hopefully people will check it out. And again, I think people are looking for a good distraction right now. I've been wondering what you've been doing for the last several days. I haven't seen you, man. It's good. We're just out there crushing it. So tell us about your economic development forum yesterday. I'll be quick. We, it, we spent a lot of time setting it up. It was the first of a series of things that we're going to be doing um, where I think the city's number one priority needs to be going forward, which is small business. And um, I just kind of, I'm sticking with the mantra of like, we, we're using the term essential versus non-essential functions in businesses today. And, and just everyone needs to know that um, that is a term for safety and who should leave their house and who shouldn't. When this is all said and done, it is essential that every one of our small businesses that even is remotely possible to save is saved and is still around. Uh, because it's very plausible we'll be doing another bracket five years from now like that for all the places that are existing right now and they're going to be gone. And we got to hear directly in a remote fashion uh, in a kind of a town hall where small business owners came in and um, got to spend 90 seconds um, kind of just relaying to us what pain points they're going through and what ideas they have. So, um, so I, you know, it was great. We had a couple dozen small business owners speak to us, but the real value is that everyone who submitted to want to join us, because there were hundreds, we couldn't let them all speak. Um, we had them write down a little synopsis of what they were going to say. So now we've got this wealth of knowledge. We're compiling that. Next week, we're going to do and, and break things out. And then we're going to start figuring out where in the legislative agenda can we help with other partners, where on the um, you know, local programs. Um, but there were two themes that really jumped out. One was um, the access to capital, right? I, I, we're hearing that from everyone. Um, the feds are, are, you know, and the banks are the primary factor there. But a lot of the smaller businesses said, you know, we're not like the big businesses who have like lawyers and all these teams to analyze what all this means and how to do it. Like, can someone just give us some like English layman's terms of like how this works? And then second, um, which I think is, is a no brainer is a lot of them are innovating right now and changing their models. Um, we see that um, unknown brewing is changed over a bunch of their, their capabilities and they're creating hand sanitizer. Um, and, and now they're going to, uh, they're giving that to police and fire and, and, but there's opportunities for us to help there. There's, um, um, I talked to, um, girl tribe, the, the, one of the co-founders there, and they've gone from a physical pop-up model where they got 40% of their revenue to this QVC style approach. Um, and the list goes on and on. So we're seeing a lot of innovation, but what we keep hearing from them is like, there's all these people in our community that want to support local and we're innovating and we're local and we don't have the megaphone for everyone to know exactly what we're doing. So I think that's a great spot for us in the city to get creative and figure it out. But the bottom line is we talked earlier in this program about wheelhouses, about our lanes, you know, and where we belong. We don't need to be jumping out in front of the County on health and human service things and try to make a difference there. But small business is in our wheelhouse. And if we don't get really, really serious as an organization, as a council, all of us on taking this information, condensing it down and finding solutions and finding things where we can help save businesses, literally, we won't be doing our job. And I, I really mean, I mean and believe that. Yeah. Well, I think as a final sign off, just to continue to encourage people, um, there are a lot of people in the community who 
are in a bind themselves. They might not be in a position to support the small business by ordering, you know, something from a retail outlet that they would normally patronize in person. Or um, I'm actually headed here shortly to get takeout from uh, Leah and Louise, the new restaurant over at Camp North End. Um, called up Greg Collier, the James Beard nominated chef over there. See, that cancel. You and I are supposed to be able to go eat some food and some special yeah. VIP thing. Uh, well, and so you think about, you know, business that's been open for a while and had to close down. Greg and his wife were about to open their restaurant and then couldn't. Um, I think they had like one friends and family night and then got, and then had to shut down. So they're doing takeout and um, delivery through some of the, the food delivery services going to pick that up tonight. And again, you know, I'm able to continue working uh, because of, of my job. And so, you know, I want to, I don't take that for granted. It's not something that um, I realize how lucky I am to be able to still get my paycheck. And so you know, I'm trying to do what I can um, to make donations and, and spend money with local businesses. And, and I'll plug too, I mentioned earlier, the arts and science fund and we've plugged and have put on all both of our Facebook pages and things, a lot of different funds that are going on, like the foundation for the Carolinas and United way. And, North Carolina Restaurant Relief Workers Fund or Restaurant Workers Relief Fund. Um, another thing that I, I maybe was not as hip to before a couple of days ago was a lot of the universities in our area are doing student relief funds. And um, so I went on and made donations with, with the area universities because a lot of these students, you know, if you have a students there, particularly if they're there on scholarship or something, they might not have much disposable income. If, if they can't be on campus and they've got to find a place to live, they might not have um, the family home that some of us might have had to, to go back to that's either a safe place or a place where there's there's room for them or that they're able to be uh, international students. I mean, there's so many circumstances where you could see if someone was displaced from a college campus, um, their life could just be upended in a way that's, that's really hard for them to recover from. So a lot of these schools, um, many schools who are also not only trying to care for their students, but simultaneously, like we mentioned with UNC Charlotte, trying to find solutions for how they can be a part of addressing this crisis um, in UNC Charlotte's case and offering up some of their dorms of hospital bed overflow if need be. So uh, I would encourage people too, if you are able and, and feel so motivated to go and check out some of those student relief funds. UNC Charlotte's got one. I know Queens has one. I don't know if Johnson C. Smith has set up a specific one yet, but um, obviously there's ways to give to all those universities that are such critical parts of our community. That's shout out my uh, Elm Water too, Johnson and Wales, along with App State. I mean, all these places have got students who are just in a bind right now. So, I mean, find the ways, whether it's monetarily or not, um, find the ways to support and shine a light on on the people and the places that are in need right now. Uh, because again, this thing, you know, Mark said earlier, the peak of this thing is expected to be between mid-April and mid-May. We are we are still in the early stages of this, and uh, and and not even halfway home. So. Um, we got a lot of a lot of work to do to uh, to look out for the folks who are hurting right now. Agreed, and hopefully someone will find and identify where Mark is being held um, because we've got to find him. We've got to take care of him. Um, anyone, for anybody tuning in late, go back and check out his uh, basement hostage video. We're offering a two hundred dollar reward uh, <laughs> for anyone who has information to the leading to the recovery of Mark Jarrell. Um, <laughs> So as always, we appreciate people watching and listening and, um, and we'll keep doing these as, as they are warranted. Um, but please share, like, rate, review, all the things that help people find us on, um, on all the different platforms that we're coming to you on. We wanna be a source of good information for you and uh, continue to stay connected however we can through, um, through this ongoing crisis. So 
Take that care is, of yourself, take care of each other. And that's episode 96, Larkin. We are getting awful close to 100, my friend. I hope we don't have to do 100 remotely. <laughs> <laughs>